Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession this morning is from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us, God in human form, real flesh, real blood. He is God incarnate. And this is what we celebrate on Christmas Day, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Some have argued that the supreme miracle of Christianity is not the resurrection of Christ from the dead, but the incarnation. The infinite, omnipotent creator of the universe took on human nature without loss of his deity, so that he was both fully God and fully man. Like any miracle, but much more than other miracles, the incarnation is staggering. It is impossible for our finite minds to fully comprehend it. And yet here in Philippians, Paul tells us to follow the example that Jesus sets for us in his incarnation. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He is God, and yet he emptied himself and became not just a man, but a poor man of no reputation, a lowly servant. Such a monumental shift required a laying aside of his glory, a voluntary restraint of his power, an acceptance of hardship, isolation, ill treatment, hatred, and misunderstanding, and finally a death that involved unspeakable agony, both spiritual and physical. Consider these things, dear saints, and then hear the words of the apostle again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hear his instruction and then consider your own life, your own actions, your own thoughts. Is this mind that was in Christ at his incarnation also in you? Is it in us as a church? We are here at our corporate confession of sin. And on this Christmas day, this is what we need to confess. That the mind of Christ at his incarnation has not been in us. How often have we been more concerned with our own reputation among co-workers or friends more than the reputation of Christ? How often have we expected to be served rather than serving? How often have we sought our own comfort and good over the comfort and good of others? How often, men, have we lorded our position as husband and father over our family? How often, church, have we been more like the Levite passing on the other side of the road when a brother is in need? Even just sometimes is too often. Having the mind of Christ in his incarnation is, as we also read in Philippians, to do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than ourselves. Such humility and love is the very mind of Christ towards you. Such humility and love is the spirit of Christmas, or as J.I. Packer puts it, the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time, trouble, care, and concern to do good to others. Let this mind of Christ be in us as well. Brothers and sisters, please kneel with me as we confess our sins to God.
a Merry Christmas. It is a joy to be with you on this blessed holy day, which the rest of culture calls a holiday. So we can rejoice when they do say happy holiday, for they are proclaiming the good news even though they don't believe they are doing it. This joy of the season has not always been so around the world. In fact, the year was 1941 and Britain was at war. And not just with Germany. At home, a firestorm of controversy roared among a Christian because there was a Christian writer that was putting together a work. The trouble began when the uh, British Broadcast Corporation, the BBC, announced that it would produce a series of 12 radio plays retelling the life of Christ. Titled The Man Born to be King was to be written by a well-known scholar and popular mystery writer who also was a a well-known member of the Church of England. At a press conference, the author explained that in order to adapt the Gospels to the radio, there might be a few invented characters, and some of the Bible personages may be combined a bit. There may be a little bit of creative liberty that was taken. To make the radio voices distinct, the author had sometimes used American slang or regional accents. For example, in the play, Matthew says, the fact is, Philip, you've been had for a sucker. You ought to keep your eyes skinned. I don't recall the Bible reference for that quote. From the public reaction, one would have thought that a Bible had been burned in St. Paul's Cathedral. Before a single play was released, newspaper headlines screamed blasphemy. Atheists complained that Christians were being given free radio time of propaganda. Language lovers griped, should children listen to such unwholesome American slang? And the Lord's Day Observance Society complained A sinful man presuming to impersonate the sinless one? Oh, it distracts from the honor due to the divine majesty. Even Prime Minister Churchill was swamped with letters urging him to ban the plays. The Archbishop of Canterbury, who was the leading official of the church, received a similar flood of requests. A question was raised about the plays in the House of Commons. The first play of the Twelve, The King in Judea, aired 75 years ago this year, on December 21st, 1941. Most listeners who contacted the BBC as the plays were aired said they loved them. For many... The play raised morale by reminding them of their Christian roots. Christ's life seemed so real that people were forced to reconsider its meaning for themselves. In reflection, the Bishop of Winchester said, 
that the cycle was the greatest evangelical appeal made in the 20th century. Even one of our beloved authors, C.S. Lewis, who read read this 12-play cycle every year during Holy Word, he once penned a letter to his author friend and fellow inkling and said, Miss Sayers, I've finished the man born to be king and think it a complete success. I shed real tears, hot ones, in places. Since Mariach's Vie de Jesus, nothing has moved me so much. Yours sincerely, C.S. Lewis. 75 years ago this year, this Christmas, Dorothy Sayers wrote, Man Born to be King. And it disrupted the religious society of the day. Recently, I had the privilege of viewing for the first time the performance of the first play, Kings in Judea, by a troupe in Grove City, uh, Pennsylvania, that included our daughter, Alicia. She was Herod's wife. C.S. Lewis was correct. At least the first play is moving as it presents the birth of Christ from the perspective of the Magi and their interaction with the King Herod. Even the birth of Christ disrupted the religious society 2,000 years ago. The Magi, the three kings, as they meet the Christ, they present their gifts and worship him. And in the play, they proclaim the following titles that help us to answer our question that we're asking today. What child is this? In the words of the kings, the magi, the three, as we conveniently align them because of the gifts, Caspar, the Asian king, said he's the king of the Jews. Melchior, who was the king of Ethiopia, proclaimed he's the king of the world. And Balthazar, who was the king of Europe, said he is the king of heaven. And our text today that records this visit of the kings, the magi, summarizes these thoughts that permeate throughout the whole of scripture. You may have noticed in our scripture reading today, we began at the beginning We went to the middle and we concluded at the end from Genesis to the Gospels to Revelation. Purposeful for us to understand that Jesus Christ is there from the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The whole of Scripture is on him and his birth is the pinnacle of that story. As we understand that about Scripture, it illumines us. The Holy Spirit directs us in our understanding and living. The Magi came to this understanding as they studied the whole of scriptures and the prophecies. And they had derived these titles from that study. And so I want to take a brief, yes, a brief look at these three titles and how they are drawn out throughout scripture. 
as he is the king of the Jews, the king of the world, and the king of heaven. And we answer for ourselves, what child is this? So our record in Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2 and verse 6, identify Christ as the king of the Jews. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And down in verse 6, when they quote the prophecy, once again, he has been born, or he has a ruler who is going to be over Israel. And as we look at each of these titles, we see in Scripture, these titles come through uh, by tracing his genealogy. We'll see some teaching from Scripture. We'll see a type that has been set up to represent this king. And we will receive testimony from others. So the king of the Jews, what does God's word say right here in verse 6? Out of Micah is the quote about him being coming forth out of Bethlehem. Where he is going to be born, that he will be the king of the Jews. But more than that, we understand other prophecy. For example, way back even Moses in Numbers, proclaims that a star out of Jacob and a, will come out of Jacob, and there will be a scepter placed in his hand. And other prophecies that point to Christ, the Messiah. In Zechariah 9, his triumphal entry is proclaimed. Well, at least the selection of the donkey that he would ride. And we see that his lineage was proclaimed by Isaiah time and again, especially in Isaiah 11, when he ties him to the stem of Jesse. So not only his birth, but his life, his accomplishments, time and again, the teaching of Scripture ties it, points to Jesus as the king of the Jew. And when we flip back to Matthew 1, we won't go this through his lineage line by line. But as we trace his lineage in Matthew 1, we see that it starts with um, Abraham and follows the kingly line all the way to Joseph. So Matthew presents for us this royal, legal lineage, this genealogy that demonstrates that Jesus Christ has a right to the throne of Israel, to be the king of of the Jews, and that main king is the one who sets up a type for us. The first true king of Israel. Not the king that the people chose, but the king that God chose. The man after God's own heart. The man who was from humble beginnings. The man who didn't meet the criteria of the people of the day. He did not win the popular vote. Yet, it was David who rose to become and be held as the great king of Israel. And he is the type. He is the one that is proclaimed time and again whom the king of the Jews would be. And as Christ comes as king, he is the son of David. He is the king like David. He is the one who is honored to sit on the throne of David. And his Kingship over the Jews is proclaimed 
time and again. There is testimony given time and again by many people. While they didn't really know what they were saying at his triumphal entry, his followers proclaimed him to be king of the Jews. A few days later, they would be calling for his crucifixion. Yet on that day, on that first day that fulfilled prophecy, he was their king. Even his disciples, upon calling Nathaniel, and he, Christ had shared how he knew where he was. Nathaniel declared, you are the king of the Jews. And in Peter's confession that we read, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Christ, the Messiah, that is the title given to the king, the anointed one, the promised one that was, that was promised way back in the first gospel in Genesis 3. He was the son that Adam and Eve were hoping for and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring. Time and again, is this the promised son? Is this the promised one. Is this the boy, the anointed one? And now, this child is the king of the Jews for which generations had waited and longed for. Even Pilate, in his interrogation, questioned Christ. Christ confirmed it clearly, and the soldiers posted it. Even in the most horrific event of history, it was loudly proclaimed, this is the king of the Jews. But not only is Jesus the king of the Jews, but as our wise men said, he is the king of the world. Verses 10 and 11 show that back in Matthew 2. When the Magi saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In their act of worship, these three kings, these kings of the world, demonstrated that he was the king of kings. Other kings bow down to him and worship him. And this truth is declared throughout scripture, especially in the Psalms. Time and again, it is told that the nations will worship him. Other kings will bow down to him. Psalm 2, Daniel 7 in his prophecies reports that he will be the ruler over all the nations. He will subdue all the enemies. And then in Revelation, in the final scenes of the culmination of history, we see him exalted time and again as the king of kings. In fact, that actual title is found in Revelation 11. He is the king of kings. Jesus is not only the king of the Jews, he is the king of the world. And this is typified before the Israelite kingdom was set up. Even by Abraham, as he went out, he came into contact with a, name by, a man by the name of Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. And as Abraham met with him, Abraham bowed and worshipped Melchizedek. And Melchizedek has been set as a type of a king and priest that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this child Christ, would follow the type of Melchizedek, one who is to even be worshipped by the great patriarch 
Abraham. And the testimony of this great king of the world has been given throughout history and throughout and around the world. As already noted, the promised one from the very beginning, the the parents of the human race were looking for this to be their son, the, the promised one. We, when we look through the Christmas story and we see the three songs, Mary's Magnificat and Zachariah's Benedictus and Simeon's Nucdemidus, filled and replete with the idea that he's not just the king of the Jews, but he is the king of the nations. He is the one that all creation is waiting for and through whom we'll be saved. We see that in many, just when I go, if you ever had a chance to see Handel's Messiah, it blows my mind that everybody, not just Christians, everybody sits for hours and listens to scripture after scripture after scripture about the kingship and messiahship and glory of Christ being sung. What an amazing testimony of who Christ is. Not just the king of the Jews, but he is the king of the world. There are annual feasts and numerous cathedrals and churches that are set up with the title, Christ the King. Christ is the king of the Jews, and he is the king of the world. But his kingdom expands even greater than that. For the third title, King of Heaven, is implied when we see that his star in the heavens declares who he is. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the world. He is the king of heaven. And we see this as God's plan, as as shared earlier out of Philippians 2, right? The great Christ hymn. Through his humiliation came his exaltation. As Christ put aside the riches of glory took on the form of his creation to the point of death, then God greatly exalted him so that every creature will worship him. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. This is God's plan from the beginning. That he would be, he is the king of heaven. He is begotten by God the Father. Hebrews 1 reminds us that he has been appointed heir of all things. That he has been established on the throne of God. And there lies his genealogy, right? Matthew reminded us that he traced back to David. I missed this one, but I'll throw it in here. Luke's account of the genealogy takes him all the way back to Adam. And in the process, if you've ever looked at the genealogies, he doesn't trace it through the kings because there was a problem with the kings. As recorded in Jeremiah, Jehoiakim was cursed and said no son of Jehoiakim would ever reign on the throne again. Jehoiakim's included in Matthew's genealogy, but not Luke's. Well, Matthew gives the regal, legal, royal genealogy. Luke provides the bodily, physical bloodline that still assures that he is part of the kingly line. Yet skipping Jehoiakim because God's curse was true. And so through the two lines, 
Christ becomes the king of Jews. He becomes the king of the world. And through this genealogy, God's only begotten son, his firstborn, the heir to the throne, he is the rightful king of heaven. And in this case, there is no type. Jesus Christ, king of heaven, is the real thing. David, Melchizedek, pointed to Christ, the king of heaven. And how has this proclaimed by others? What testimony has been given? Well, the angels themselves came to the shepherds and said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And beyond that, we see in Revelation 5, which we read earlier, that all creation, all saints, tens upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands, along with the 24 elders, will be proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the King of heaven. So as we celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas... Let us do it with great joy and celebration. But let us also follow the example of the Magi and recognize that we are celebrating the birth of the King Jesus Christ. He is the King of the Jews. He is the King of the world. He is the King of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ, our King, to whom with you and the same Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. And we close as our Lord has taught us. John 6:35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What are the parallels between Christ's incarnation, Christian baptism, and the supper is that each display the humility of God. When we are incorporated into the body of Christ through baptism, we don't go through some elaborate initiation. We are incorporated into Christ by water the most common substance on the earth. And when we commune weekly with God, he doesn't call us to some mystical activity that only few can attain. He offers us the staple of human diet, bread, as well as this gift of wine. At this table, God gives us both of these, bread and wine. And to become food for this table, the grain had to be ground to flour and put through the fire. And wine had to be trampled underfoot and it's been aged. The Son of God comes to us in such food because that's the way he came to us long ago, his advent in flesh. He came to be ground and trampled and baked in the fire. He came as one despised, hated, envied, betrayed, rejected, killed, 
and burial. Then he was fully prepared to be our food. And he invites to this table all who have been baptized and are under the authority of Christ and his body, the church. By eating the bread and drinking the wine with us, you are acknowledging that you are a sinner, that without hope, except for that sovereign mercy of God, and that we are trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So come, welcome to the table he has prepared for us. His body, broken for us. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.